We're going to talk about the Spirit's work in our lives and in His church. As we just sung about that, and Tyler ends that section of coming and filling us again, because we were singing about this same God that did some amazing things. We've heard those stories in the Old Testament, and if you were a part of Grace Church from January to now, we were hearing how God was doing that through Jesus. As Jesus did his ministry in the Gospels, we were looking at the Gospel of Matthew, and now we're going to see how God is still doing it. That same God is still doing that through the book of Acts. The Acts is just a story of this same God working through ordinary people to do some amazing things. I'm going to ask you later in the service if you believe that same spirit that was worked then is at work now. Because the answer to that question has a, a profound impact on what the church can do within the culture in which we find ourselves. Before I just open the word this morning, I, I do want to specifically pray for some families. As we gather here together, there's something powerful about gathering in Jesus' name all in one place. Many of you I know have a, a vibrant, active prayer life, but there's something that changes when all of us get together and pray together. Uh, we want to celebrate. We had been praying for and uh, if you're part of uh, Julie and Nick's Friday evening life group, we've been praying for Julie's sister, Jill, uh, who was expecting and has had the baby. Jill and Scott are proud parents of a little girl, Gloria, Elizabeth, right? Oh, I, I remembered. That's amazing. That is, that's in itself a miracle that I remembered that. So we are praising God for that. I'm pretty sure they're probably watching. So congratulations, Scott and Jill. Uh, praising God, too, for uh, the work that he's doing here at Grace Church. We shared with you that we were looking for an admin assistant position. Uh, Jess is quitting. She can no longer work with her boss. We're still married, but she's not going to be working at the office anymore. No, just kidding. Uh, God is moving her and our family into different season. As you know, we do homeschooling and uh, we have a homeschool co-op, but also there's other things at Grace Church that Jess just feels called to that, uh, not that she didn't enjoy that, it's just God's moving her into a different season. So we had been asking you and we'd been advertising for uh, replacing Jess. We do have two candidates that we met with this past week and our group that met with them is using the weekend to pray about uh, who God's leading to come here to Grace Church as uh, part of our team. As I said, it's not just we're hiring an employee to do a job. They become a part of Grace Church team. And uh, it has to be the right person because it has to be the right person to keep David and myself in line. Jess is good at that. She is aggressively helpful. Other people call that bossy. But she, she calls it aggressively helpful, so she's good at doing that. So uh, it, that in itself is a challenge, keeping David and I straight. So, uh, But God has answered that prayer. There's a person that's going to be doing that. We're just not sure who yet, uh, but we're trusting him in that way. So thank you for uh, praying for that as well. If you would be praying for uh, Jennifer Hudson's family, her father, Richard Brown, passed away this past week. 
Uh, so if you would remember their family in prayer, I know that they would appreciate that. Also, keep praying for Dave Casey, who we've been praying for at Bethlehem uh, St. Luke's Hospital. Had a heart cath, uh, was supposed to have a heart shock on Thursday to be able to go home and um, and eventually be able to, to build up his strength again for a different procedure a little bit later on. That didn't happen on Thursday, so if you continue to pray for Dave, uh, I know he would appreciate that. Pray for David's mom, uh, Sharon, who is also battling uh, cancer. Some other folks here at our church are battling cancer. Sharon is, is doing that as well. She has three intensive uh, bouts with chemotherapy. She's already had one. Tomorrow is another, and then 21 days later is another one. So if you remember Sharon as she prepares for that for tomorrow, and if you'd remember David's whole family in prayer as well as they walk with her through this, and uh, as we as a, a church family lift them up as well. That's part of really <clears throat> as we uh, baptize our children into this family of God. It doesn't negate the fact that every single person has to come to faith in Christ and make that profession of faith that makes them a part of this covenant relationship that God has made with his people, the church. And part of that is being able to pray for each other, knowing that you're not going through whatever it is you're going through by yourself. People are constantly sending cards, text messages, emails, and, of course, praying for each other to say, hey, prayed for you today. That carries a lot of weight to it because it's through God's spirit that he continues to minister, not just to us here, all over planet Earth. God is doing that, doing that through his Holy Spirit, who we'll talk about today. But before we get into that, let's just come together as God's people in prayer. Father, as we come before you uh, this morning in the name that is above every name, the name that is Jesus, the name that is the way, the truth, and the life, the one who has atoned for our sins and provided us a way of salvation, that name that is so precious to us, the name of Jesus. We come before you, Lord God, as your sons and daughters because of what Jesus has done for us. And we are thankful, God, that you continue to work in this world. This God who split the seas apart, this God who could take this giant down to the ground with just a stone, this God <clears throat> who could break into human history through the Virgin Mary, this God who still works even today. God, we come before you this morning, thanking you for the work that you're doing in our lives, thanking you, God, for life itself, for Gloria, for health, for Jill, and we just give you thanks for the goodness of life. We give you thanks for Benjamin and his life, and the joy that he brings to his family. We give you thanks, Lord, for our children. Life itself, as difficult Sometimes, as this world can be, we can just look into our children's faces and appreciate life. God, that's a blessing from you. Thank you for that, Lord. God, thank you for being with us as we seek to continue to serve you and be on mission with you. Thank you for providing for our needs with our job position here at Grace Church. And we just give that into your hands, God, and believe, Lord, that you will bring the right person and God, we just pray that you would help us as a church family, whatever we're called to, whatever role we play within this church family, that you would help us, Lord, 
to be faithful to the mission you've called us to. God, together as your people, we lift up our brother Dave, who is at the hospital now and waiting for a procedure to happen, and we just pray for continued strength and health for him. Lord, we pray that this procedure would do what it needs to so that he might be mended, Lord God, and be able to get home and get better and healthy for the next procedure he has to undergo. Lord, we pray for Sharon as she prepares for another intensive round tomorrow of the chemo, and we ask, God, that your spirit would be upon her in very real, personal ways that she might sense your peace. And God, and through the prayers of your people, she might have a calm and a comfort that only comes from knowing you. We pray for David and his entire family, his dad, his sisters, Lord, uh, their whole family as they walk with her through this. God, we also just want to lift up Jennifer and her family and Bill, the Hudsons and the Browns, Lord, as they mourn the loss of her father. And God, just pray that you would comfort them as, as only you can, Lord. Even in difficult times, Lord, may they experience joy in their life because of what Jesus Christ has promised. God, we pray that as we open your word this morning to the book of Acts and we hear about the work of your spirit, God, I pray that your spirit would work and move in our midst here in this place right now, but going forward as we walk out of here, Lord, that your Holy Spirit would have his way in our hearts and our minds, Lord, helping us to live for you. We pray it in Jesus' name. Amen. David, God, you started last week in our new sermon series, Life with Jesus 2.0, which actually means life with the Spirit, because Jesus, as you heard, is gone. He ascended. And now the only plan that exists to take this good news of what Jesus has done, this story, the story of redemption that God was writing and culminated in the person of Christ and his story, he says, now go tell that story to the very ends of the earth, all over the planet. And who was supposed to do that? Well, it's these disciples and the collection of people that gathered around Jesus while he was doing his ministry, only about 120 or so scholars think. That's it. And they're supposed to take this to the very ends of the earth. But this Jesus story, Jesus himself telling the story, Jesus being the fulfillment of what God had started back in Genesis, now when this story is being told, it is infused with the Spirit. That's what we're going to see today in Acts chapter 2. I'm not going to read that whole thing for you as we did in Matthew. This is homework for you. You can, hopefully you've read Acts chapter 1, you can read Acts chapter 2. Next week we'll be in Acts chapter 3, and we're going to go through the book of Acts. So if you've never read the Bible the whole way through, at least you've gotten through Matthew, and now you're going to get through Acts, and you're making a start of it, and you can keep going. But Acts chapter 2, we see that the retelling of this story about Jesus is now infused with the Spirit. It was only 50 days ago that, <clears throat> now we celebrated it two weeks ago, and remembered Jesus' crucifixion, and then, of course, Easter Sunday. That was Passover. That's why Jesus was in Jerusalem. That's why his disciples were there. They were observing Passover and everything that meant from the book of Exodus. And there's all kinds of themes running through this entire story that Jesus fulfills. And now we're going to have another one, except this time it's in Acts chapter 2. 
but a lot of people that came to Jerusalem, that was one of the big pilgrimages you made if you were a Jew, Passover. Lots of people from all over the place, if you were a Jew, you came to Jerusalem. Many of them just stayed. They stayed for the next 50 days so that they could celebrate another festival found in the Old Testament, Deuteronomy, Exodus. They stayed for another festival. Now this is just 50 days later. Many of them would have been there. Jerusalem was all abuzz with what was taking place. And in fact, if you read the end of Luke's gospel, these two disciples are walking on this road called the Emmaus Road, and Jesus comes beside them, the resurrected Jesus. They don't really recognize him, and Jesus starts asking them questions. And they say, have you been living under a rock? Something like that. That's, I'm paraphrasing. Haven't you just seen everything that happened in Jerusalem? It was crazy. Many of these people that are here at Pentecost, the people we're going to be talking about in Acts 2, were there as well. Would have experienced all of that, would have seen all that, would have maybe heard rumors, stories. This Jesus that they crucified, he's not there, he's, he's alive. And maybe asking themselves what's going on. And now there were many Jews there from all over the world at that point. The word that's used is diaspora. That's the scattered ones, the scattered Jews. And they came from all over the place. And they were all in Jerusalem these 50 days after the crucifixion, the burial, and the resurrection of Jesus. They were all there to witness this story. Now it's interesting that in the book of Acts, Peter is the one who starts with this story, and it just expands from there. And if you are part of Grace Church, you're going to hear this story unfold through the months ahead. If you're not, you can always see it on live stream or watch it later. But you're going to see how this story, this retelling of the Jesus story, infused with the Spirit, takes over the planet. The book of Acts is all about that, and it's not because some famous people start talking about it. It's just ordinary, nobody's from nowhere, retelling this story, except infused with the Spirit. And this is where it all happens. This is where it all begins. Acts chapter 2. When the day of Pentecost came, they were all together in one place. The disciples, the other ladies who were there, and probably about 120. That's what scholars think at this point. Maybe about 120 people. They were all there, gathered in one place, kind of like this. You could easily fit 120 people in here. We have. And they're all in one place, and suddenly a sound like the blowing of a violent wind came from heaven, and it filled the whole house where they were sitting. A violent wind, imagine blowing the windows off. A violent wind comes through here and fills the whole house. Now that word, the Hebrew word, would be ruach. We learned that a ways back. It can be translated breath. That's what's happening in Genesis chapter 1, breath of God. Ruach can be translated spirit. That's what's blowing all the way all through this house with these people gathered that have witnessed the crucifixion, the burial, the resurrection, and now in this one place, this amazing thing takes place. They saw what seemed to be tongues of fire that separated and came to rest on each of them. All of them were filled with the Holy Spirit and began to speak in other tongues as the Spirit enabled them. 
Now there were staying in Jerusalem, God-fearing Jews from every nation under heaven. Now it's interesting that Luke, who's the author of the book of Acts, that Luke uses that phrase, every nation under heaven. It was used before, back in Genesis, in the Tower of Babel story. If you remember the Tower of Babel story, if not, you can go back and read it. It's Genesis 11, I think, is the Tower of Babel. And you'll hear how God scatters the nations. All the nations under heaven get scattered. And they all start speaking different languages. But here in Jerusalem, on this day, the day of Pentecost, every nation under heaven is gathered. And what they heard was some crazy sound that they all wanted to check out. When they heard this sound, whatever it was, this rushing wind, a crowd came together in bewilderment because each one heard their own language being spoken. They all heard their language. Now this is kind of like the world of Peter's day, the Acts chapter 2 day. And that little circle there in the bottom, <clears throat> right here, is Israel is where Jerusalem is. And so all of the nations under the heavens are talking about where those concentric circles are. They're all gathered in Jerusalem. If you read through the book of Acts, it starts flowing out. It starts in Jerusalem where the small circle is. You page through a few more chapters, it gets a little bigger. And then you keep paging through more chapters, it gets a little bigger. And as you are paging through Jerusalem, or through the book of Acts, you start in Jerusalem and you just start heading west. And by the end of the book of Acts, you can see my last circle there is right up here. You're at what seemed like the ends of the earth in their day. All roads lead to Rome. That's where we stop. Luke, in just the way he is writing this book, is showing how God is reversing what happened in Genesis 11. When the Tower of Babel took place, that story of, of human beings putting themselves in place of God and God scattering them, in Acts chapter 2 we hear a story how God reverses that. And now every nation under heaven is hearing this story being told in their own language. And how God is bringing back the nations, back to himself. Jew, yes, that's who we're with right now. A whole lot of Jews. But by the end of the book of Acts, the majority of the church is Gentile, non-Jewish. God is reversing what has taken place at the Tower of Babel. And it's all starting here. In Acts chapter 2 with the retelling of the Jesus story. Except Peter's not just saying it because he's a great speaker. In fact, he wasn't that great of a speaker. And as we read through that, we'll find out that he kind of had an accent. They all know they're from some backwater town called Galilee. And he spoke with this little bit of an accent. It wasn't how Peter spoke. It wasn't really what he said. It was this story about Jesus that is now bringing all the nations under heaven, under one banner, flying one flag. And that's people who believe in what God had done through Christ in Jerusalem only 50 days ago. Pentecost is God breaking in again. 
And when God breaks in, these windows are blown off and people are like, what in the world is going on? And they all want to come and they all want to hear. And so they come and Peter gets up and he starts preaching a message. Now he starts telling the story of Jesus. But remember, I just read for you what happened in Acts chapter 2, verse 1 through 6. And now Peter's not just telling this story in his own power. He's actually telling this story infused with the work of the Spirit. The Spirit has come upon them. And maybe they're remembering back to their days following Jesus around when he said, you know what, guys, it is better for me to leave. And they're probably all thinking, what do you mean it's better for you to leave, Jesus? It's better for me to leave because then I will send the promised one, the advocate, the Holy Spirit. And when Jesus sends the Holy Spirit, you thought Jesus did some amazing things. We'll get ready for the book of Acts. Because you're going to see some things that are just as mind-blowing. Because we are retelling the story of Jesus infused with the Spirit, which automatically equals, this is my uh, equation. We had our confirmation class today. I did science class and confirmation. I did English class. I did art class. I had them use critical thinking skills. And if you're in here and you were in confirmation class, now you've just had math class. The story of Jesus plus the work of the Spirit equals transformation. You won't believe your eyes when you start seeing what the work of the Spirit can do. That's what's happening in Acts chapter 2. And you're not going to believe some of the stuff you're reading in the book of Acts as we go through that together. So Peter, seeing what's taking place, the Spirit comes in power. This crowd is gathering and no preacher turns down a great crowd that's together. And that doesn't say they took an offering. But as you leave, you can put your offering in the box if you'd like to. But it does say, Peter stood up and he started preaching a message. And he says, fellow Jews and all of you who live in Jerusalem, let me explain to you what has taken place. Carefully listen to what I say. And then he goes on to preach a message. And here's their response. The message is the retelling of the Jesus story. I'm not going to read all of it for you. Verse uh, in Acts chapter 2, verse 14 starts that message, and verse 36 kind of ends that message. And he retells the Jesus story, except he doesn't retell it in his own power. He retells it infused by the Spirit. And he starts pulling out some Old Testament passages and he starts making them come to life. Remember when you heard this in the book of Joel? It's one of the prophets in the Old Testament. Remember when you heard that? I'm telling you how God is making that happen today. Remember this psalm that you read as a kid? You always read it. I'm telling you how God is making this come true to get today. It's being fulfilled today in your hearing. And somehow with Peter speaking, the Spirit of God, using God's Word, God does something amazing. And it's the dream of every preacher. Verse 37. You hear Pastor Ted's sermon and you say, what should we do? Ted, how can we respond to this message? 
That's what Peter heard. When the people heard this, they heard him preach this message, they were cut to the heart and said to Peter and the other apostles, Brothers, what shall we do? This is, this is how the church begins. There's nothing really miraculous in the sense that Peter healed somebody. He'll do it later. That they fed thousands and thousands of people. That they raised somebody from the dead. Paul will do that later. A lot of things that Jesus did, these guys will do too. But something different happened when Peter opened up his mouth, retold this story of Jesus, infused by the Spirit, making the Word of God come alive. People were transformed. Their lives were never the same. Many that day, their life was never the same. When they asked Peter, what should we do? Repent and be baptized, every one of you, in the name of Jesus Christ for the forgiveness of your sins, and you will receive the gift of the Holy Spirit, the promises for you and your children and for all who are far off. That includes us. We're pretty far off from this day. And for all whom the Lord our God will call. With many other words, he warned them. He pleaded with them, save yourselves from this corrupt generation. So we don't know how many other words Peter said there. So that's always my go-to. Well, Peter preached a very short message, verse 14 through verse 36. Ted, why can't you do what Peter did? If you think the message is getting long, let me read verse 40 for you again with many other words. I don't know how many other words. I don't know how long it took him. But he pleaded with them and he warned them. Give your life to Jesus. Really, that's every Sunday for me. What I'm doing when I'm standing up here, it's not because I can speak eloquently or I can speak in a timely fashion. Maybe some of my dutchiness comes out with my, I have an accent too sometimes, maybe. Whenever I stand up here, whenever I'm in front of a crowd, it's me warning, pleading, give your life to Jesus. Believing the Spirit will infuse those words and lives will be transformed. That's what happened that day. Those who accepted his message, those who said, yes, Peter, I need this Jesus. They were baptized. 3,000, Scripture tell us, became a part of the church that day. I can't fit 3,000 people in this room. At the beginning of the day, we all fit in this room. By the end of the day, we need a bigger church because God had moved. The Spirit had moved in people's lives. Now, my question for us, the church today, this same Spirit that did this, do you believe He's at work today, now? That's the question I want you to ask yourself as we go through this book of Acts and we hear these amazing stories. And I could bring people up here in front of you to share some of those amazing stories of the Spirit's work. Not just contained in these pages, but really recently. 
If you were here this past October, you heard about some of the Spirit's work in people's lives right here. This uh, gentleman from history, not ancient history, only the 1900s, it's not that long ago. I was born in the 1900s. Many of you were born in the 1900s. Does anybody know the name C.S. Lewis? If I say C.S. Lewis, raise your hand if you've heard the name C.S. Lewis before. That's many of you. First service, same thing. Lots of people heard this man's name. He called himself the most reluctant convert. He came kicking and screaming into the kingdom of God. He was an atheist, and he was devout in his atheism. In fact, he looked for ways to debunk the idea of God. He was born in 1898, lived through the First World War and Second World War, and, and died in the early 60s. He was not a believer when he first started out. Many people in his life would say, who, C.S. Lewis? Clive was his name? He's about as far as you can get from Jesus. No way that dude's ever coming to Christ. I bet you people said that about him. If I'm honest, I might be thinking that about some people I know. No way that dude's ever coming to Christ. Anybody ever heard of Alice Cooper? Well, read his story. That's one dude I never thought would come to Christ. And he talks about his faith openly. He's just one guy. He probably is the most influential thinker, writer, Christian of the 20th century, maybe the 21st century, because there's just nobody quite like him to tell the stories, to say the things that he has said. I don't know how many people I've either given the book or have told to read the book called Mere Christianity. If you're not sure about this Jesus, read Mere Christianity. He is still changing people's lives, even after he's been dead and gone. This guy, nobody ever thought would come to Christ. The retelling of the story of Jesus, infused with the Spirit, will transform people's lives. God is still doing it. He's not finished doing it. And if we as a church don't understand or recognize the same spirit of Acts 2, the same God that we sang about, is the same spirit that can transform your life and your family's life. That can transform the life of that person I'm thinking of right now that doesn't know Christ and is about as far away from Jesus as you can get. And I'm saying to myself, if the Spirit can do this, He is still working today, and the Spirit can do it today. Now, there's a group of guys that meet in my office on a Wednesday morning that pray. This past Wednesday, I prayed that God would bring revival, and just about every Wednesday, one of us prays that. Now, I am convinced, and you can disagree with me, and that's okay. You're allowed to disagree with me. The way that our culture is going right now the only answer is if God moves, if God does something. It is that bad. But I honestly believe that if God does something, if God moves, if the Spirit moves within families and cultures and communities, we'll see transformation. And so that's how I've started praying. Because that's the only way I see us getting out of this. 
is if God moves on our behalf. And I don't pray that with doubt. I pray that with confidence because I've read the stories. Lots of stories. I've seen it in other people's lives. And I've experienced it. I've tasted it myself. The Spirit of God changed me. I know the Spirit of God changed some of you because I know your story. In the same way that Peter ends his message, I end mine. Pleading, warning, save yourself from this corrupt generation. Give your life to Jesus Christ. The spirit that you haven't recognized yet can change your life. The family that you think is gone and lost can change your family. The struggle that you have that no one else knows about, Jesus can free you from it. Every Sunday is me pleading, is me begging. Give your life to Jesus. Because when you do, the Spirit can turn it all around. Let's pray. Lord God, I am thankful for the work of the Holy Spirit in the life of your church. The work that you have brought about, God, in my own life, the work that you have brought about in many others' lives. And God, this morning that we've heard how the Spirit moves and transforms people's lives, God, I pray that if there's someone in the hearing of my voice, whether it's on live stream, whether it's in this place, God, I pray they would give their lives to Christ. It's so simple to believe in this retelling of this story that Jesus came and lived the life that none of us could. He died a death that we all should have died and he rose to life again, giving us new life instead of death, forgiving us of our sins. And so God, all someone simply needs to do is confess to you, God, I am a sinner in need of Christ to renew my life. Forgive me of my sins. I want the Holy Spirit to come into my heart, to come into my life and change me. God, I believe that when we pray that simple prayer, you can do amazing things. Lord, I pray that we would recognize that the Spirit is still at work in our lives in this world, Lord God, that we would not lose hope or doubt or lose confidence in all that you can do and desire to do in and through your people. God, may we just open ourselves up to the move and to the work of your Spirit and see you do amazing things. We pray it in Jesus' name. Amen. Let's close this morning by being reminded of the work of the Spirit. The spirit that can change graves into gardens. Let's stand and sing together, Graves in the Gardens.